Heavenly Father, this morning, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your gentleness and how you teach us. And thank you for being so patient with us, especially when we think we know it all. Keep us humble. Keep revealing more of your love and truth to us. And may it affect our lives and have a residual effect on other people's lives. Pray that this morning will be encouraging. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we began talking about Nehemiah. I'm not going to recap the whole story because you can go back and listen last week uh, online. Um, But what I do want to do is kind of recap the couple points and highlight some more stuff that I didn't get a chance to last week. Uh, as I was finished the message, I thought, oh, I forgot to talk about that. Oh, I forgot to talk about that. So we're going to cover some of that stuff up. But the reason I'm doing this particular mini-series is because there are people trying to rebuild their lives from devastation, from crises, from loss, from you know, pending loss, all this, all this stuff going on in our culture, in our world, even uh, crashing hopes, um, you can look in the political world and be really depressed. You know, there's lots of ways to fill your mind with depressing thoughts. But I want to show you today how to process your thinking and guide your thinking with some five practical things you can do to experience the life of God in you. And we're going to walk through them and be done today for them. So today, part one, last week we talked about this. Five faith responses enabling you to experience God's work in your life. These are practical things. And this has to do with renewing your mind. Because what you think about will come out in action. Every time it will come out. Whether you uh, think you're a piece of dirt and are no good and going to the garden to eat worms, you're going to act like that and you're going to have a really bad taste in your mouth. You know, especially those worms, juice, okay? All right, never mind. You got it, Good. Uh, if you also think about God in the same way and think he's upset or separated from you, you're going to act like that. You're not going to have the boldness that you need to, to be honest with him uh, in all your conversations. So today I hope to, to point at some of these things. Number one, admit that you cannot change yourself. And this began with Nehemiah's story as he heard the news of his homeland and the devastation that had hit his people. And he had a burden. Something happened into him. Uh, something like a, a brokenness hit him that he did not see coming. He was blindsided by, by it. What happens to us when we hear news? Do we, do we get all uh, up in arms about a, a, a tragedy of somebody? Or do we just kind of roll our eyes and go, okay, everybody's got problems, big deal. You know, move on to the next person. You're just another person. Yesterday I did something weird. Um, I uh, went to Walmart and... Uh, I saw this one lady trying to, you know, ask people to, like, she was on the exit part. I walked in the uh, one part. Somebody else was coming out, and so she's trying to say, excuse me, excuse me. So I knew she was there, and I knew what she was trying to do. She was looking for some help, financial help. And so uh, uh, I thought, okay, I'll just remember that when I leave. <laughs> it's kind of walk faster and pretend I'm really busy, you know. Then that way it sounds like you didn't hear them. So I walked out, and sure enough, excuse me, excuse me, and I just bolted from my car. <laughs> Didn't have to talk to her. It was kind of, kind of okay, I, I won this one. And then I got to my car, and the Holy Spirit said, nope, drive around, and you give her something. Hmm, okay. And so I drove around, rolled down my window, just like you do at those exit ramps, <laughs> 
and I gave her some money. And she did not expect that because she didn't have to say, excuse me, I approached her. But it was like the Holy Spirit saying, that's my kid, I'm going to take care of this one, and I'm going to use you with whatever little amount you're giving. Because that person has a burden. And he put that burden on my heart for a millisecond. And I, I fought it. I was honest with you. I beelined it, figured out how to navigate from being asked. <laughs> you know, I don't always give. But I'm learning to listen to what the Holy Spirit says in me. And uh, it's very interesting. That way I don't have to think about, do I give all the time, none of the time? You don't have to do that. You can just walk, live, drive, do your thing, and let the Holy Spirit prompt you when and how much. It's that simple. There aren't any rules. But it began with a burden. And I sensed, and by the way, when I handed it to her, I could tell in her eyes, she was a hurting. That was, that was, that kind of confirmed to me, Holy Spirit said, yes. But okay, I, I, I'm, I'm learning to hear that voice because it's not always easy to hear. That was kind of neat. So a burden. With that, we talked about brokenness. And do you remember this definition we covered last week? Brokenness is a condition which exists when a person has given up all confidence in his own, his or her own ability to manage life. See, we're, as humans, we like to be in control. We, our ego likes to run things. Another word for ego is flesh. So the whole ego-driven life, uh, we're not called to live from ego, but from the life of Christ in us. Big difference in this culture. And then we talked about surrender. And then uh, as we talked about that prayer, um, I wanted to highlight this again. If Christ is your life, then he is also your surrender. See, we can create a formula and say, here is how you can get closer to God. Half the sermons are about what you can do to get closer to God in the Western church. That's the number one thing. Here's the steps you can take. But I need to warn you, if it's an authentic calling from God to draw you into him and reveal something to you, he is going to do it. He is going to initiate it, and he can use a method. No problem. I'm just saying who is the source of all intimacy, all revelation, all knowledge of who this God is that he says he is. And he's good. He's big enough to get your attention. Just like Nehemiah, he heard news. He wasn't, you know, surfing the internet and, ooh, look at that news feed that just came up. Ooh, Jerusalem's in trouble. Oh, no, that didn't, that didn't happen. It was word that came to him. And it was intentional because God used that man. This was a God-ordained piece of news coming. And that's going to happen in your lives. Out of nowhere, you're going to have somebody bump into you, share something, and for some reason, that, that just clicks with you. And you have a passion and a burden for that. Here's what's hard. Is you, if you have a burden for a certain thing, now you expect everybody else to have that same burden as you. Don't do that. That's putting pressure on everyone else when God's big enough to orchestrate passions and needs his way instead of us trying to help him out. <laughs> so, yeah, let him do that. Listen to this. For consider your calling, brethren, this is from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29, that there were many not, sorry, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, self-made strong, and the base things of the world and the despised 
God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. This is about God coming in our weaknesses. Not in what we bring to the table. God needs me because look how good I am at this. So I've got this skill and that's what God's going to use. And I'm going to get better and better at this thing for God. (sighs) Careful. It's easy to have pride slip in. And now you rely on your talent, not God's guidance. He can use both at the same time. It's fine. But your focus, and that's what this whole point is today, is to where is your focus? We talked about brokenness, but broken from what? This is about from self-sufficiency, not kaput broken, as in, I know some charismatics, they say, we are fully healed, we're whole, we're not broken. We're not talking about that kind of broken. We are talking about a brokenness that comes from a heart of surrender. Yielding is a better word. We yield. That's what brokenness is. It's a constant state of yielding to what God may be trying to do in our lives or trying to get our attention with. That's beautiful. And what is it that we are to be broken of? What we're, that we are relieved of our self-sufficiency or ego-driven life. And this part's awesome. The part that needs to be broken in us is the part that isn't the real you anyways. There's nothing wrong with the real you at all. Just most people don't know who they really are. Recently, I came into a, um, uh, a question somebody asked Uh, They're describing, uh, uh, one person said this, if you're dealing with stuff like shame, as an example, and you're constantly consumed with these shaming messages, and I'm using that one because that's that's my big one, from the pain I grew up with and and all the hurt that was done to me and and the messages that eat me up. Shame is one of the ones that's the largest voice of temptation to make me feel shameful. And the person said, if you're constantly struggling with that, You don't know your identity. And I thought, wait a minute. I know my identity. So how does it work then if if I struggle with this thing? Just because because I struggle or the voice is loud in me um, doesn't mean I don't know my identity. And this person said to me, "Um, it's not about knowing knowledge. It's about heart living from your identity. Big difference. Oh, I know my identity in Christ according to, I've got lists. (laughs) I got it. And and I I have grown. I'm still growing in that. But the practice of living from my identity when these shaming messages come or whatever messages come, that's hard. But I'm learning to not let that control me anymore. And it's changing the way I think and behave. It's, it's crazy. I didn't realize I was entertaining shameful thoughts when I could have stopped it so much sooner. And that's now picking up pace. It's just, that's a God thing. I, I could not have uh, initiated that kind of a change. And it all started from that conversation. It was, it was crazy. So the part that needs to be broken is the part that isn't the real you at all. Considered a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. James 1, 2-4 from the message. 
There are things that are going to come into our lives that are going to shape and mold us. This next video clip will kind of reveal, it's called the chisel by the skit guys. I think you'll recognize it. So if we could have the sound on and uh, lights out for this. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, that we're in essence his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a a Picasso, you know? But I want to be a masterpiece. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, God, do whatever it takes to, to get things out of my life that don't need to be there. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, you just said the person. Here I am. That's how it works. Oh, okay, okay. Um, if you're God, then make it snow in here. You know, if I made it snow in here, it'd get kind of yucky, and I really don't want to do that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <laughs> yep, I do that. Don't I? Get it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, yeah. um, what's this about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Here we go. Step okay. right up. Here we go. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. How do you know what to chisel and what to leave? I take out all the things in your life that aren't out of me, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of that, could you chisel right in here? I just can't get rid of it. I mean, the other one away, but this. I mean, I've tried exercising. I've watched what I ate. I even did Pilates for a while. That was awkward. But if you could chisel, right, I mean, right. Can I talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, talk, chisel. No, talk, no, 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 chisel. chisel. All right, most of my children just like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chisel. Here we go. All right. You have a lot of anger. Ow. Some pride. Ow. Compare yourself to others instead of me. You're lazy, but you pretend like you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Okay, time out. I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust? No, I can do it anytime I want. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, maybe, maybe we could take a little time out. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing good, but when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay. Then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and others need to see my son. Here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, don't take this the wrong way. It's just that when I start looking more like your son, um, people get uncomfortable around me, you know? I mean, even my friends at church, they're all like, oh, you're holier than thou. Why won't you do that, you know? I mean, so what gonna... you're doing right now is you rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. I did not say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. It's hard to talk to you. I mean, you know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you've done good work. Maybe we take a little break, a little time out. We'll come back to right. it. What you're doing right now is so common. What you're doing right now is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control. No, no, chisel. chisel. Here we go. No, can, can we chisel where I want that? It's called control. Okay. You've been holding on to this for a long time. You ready for this? This hurts me more than it hurts you. 
I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And there are the things in your life, you even think back to high school that you've been doing that do not work in your life, but you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely and tired, but they do not work. No, no, okay, okay. Um, I'm thinking maybe Your we could... Are not my thoughts. Oh, okay, but if we went another way... Your we ways could... are not my ways. Okay, well, look, I can't be good. You can't be good. I've made you good. Be good. Uh, uh, what? Nothing. What is it? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just... God, I've let you down so many times. No. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand, and don't you forget that. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. All right. But just... Just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because God, I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And it is this, this scared little kid who gets up every day and tries to dress like an adult and act like an adult. But I can't. So just be prepared for what you're going to find in You have listened to so many voices for far too long that are not of me. You think you're junk, don't you? You really, really, really think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't make junk. What does that say about me? How can I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. You know what? It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's, it's more it's... than a name. It's more than a saying. It's more than a bad habit. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. You know what that is? This is a page from, from a journal I had when I was younger. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie Holland. Other side. Sorry. I married her. I was there. Oh, oh yeah. Dear God, today I am turning everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your word says that you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how it's possible. But I want that with all that I am. So please do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. I love you too, Tommy. I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. So this salvation that you hold, 
Don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And don't compare yourself to someone else because that is just trivial nonsense. You are my original masterpiece. You are one of my workmanship and you I find favor. This, don't look at this as a prison, but look at this as a, a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, it'll be tough. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. It's not how it works. I want you to do something. I want you to look up there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy. No, 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 no. The way you see yourself or you yearn so much for others to see you. But the way I see you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. When brokenness comes, it's not God inflicting pain. He's not causing disaster around you. A lot of the stuff happens, either somebody does it to us, or we make some stupid decisions and we have to reap the results of them. It happens. But God is in it, working all things together for your good. And if you don't believe that, you won't trust him. You won't go to him for help, for assurance, if you can't trust him. It's a powerful picture. Affirming, first of all, admit you cannot change yourself, the burden, the brokenness. Number two, affirm that God alone is your source. And he worshiped. When he, Nehemiah prayed, he said, Oh God of heaven and earth. And he began to spill out the goodness of God that was already in his heart. This is important. This is, this is good for you and I to do, to affirm back to God this, what we see and believe about him. And then it's up to him to edit, correct, update our beliefs as we go. So it's safe to speak to him. Whatever tone you need, whatever language, whatever slangs, whatever it is you need, he's safe to speak to. Number three, we need to acknowledge where you are in your life. This requires humility. Humility. Here, Nehemiah prays. He says, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and laws and regulations you gave us through your servant Moses. Years ago, I would have used this verse as a club to the church and say, hey guys, you've sinned. You're all dirty, rotten sinners and you need to repent. You ever hear those sermons? No. I got good news. You're clean. You're already forgiven. Most people don't know that. Most believers don't know. They are already clean. They don't even know what the word confess means. They run to this verse in Scripture say, you must confess your sins, and then they apply in order to be forgiven. Where does it say that? It doesn't. Religion made that up. Confession is an acknowledgement, not for forgiveness. The word confess means to agree with God. That's literally what the word confession means. 
I now pray, Father, what I just did was inconsistent with my identity. And I confess I am forgiven. That's different than, dear God, please forgive me, which was my prayer for most of my Christian life. When God revealed that to me, oh my goodness. It changed my relationship with him. It moved from fear to growing faith. And it's still growing. I'm still figuring it out. Humility. (laughs) It's critical. Humility is releasing the need to be right. You see, when he prayed this prayer, he didn't say, Dear God, forgive those people who have sinned, who have done all those terrible things and not listened to your law. Yeah, they're brutal. Oh my goodness, seriously, how could they do that? He didn't do that. He participated with his people, put himself into them and said, forgive us, Father. How often do we want to disassociate ourselves from people that act differently than us and say, Lord, they need so much more help. And yet, our judgment of them hinders any chance of authentic relationship. Just because they're a little bit different, a little bit socially awkward, or a lot, it's hard. Humility is releasing the need to be right. It re- it's the um, releasing the need to be properly understood too. I want to be understood. I don't want to be misunderstood. But sometimes I've gotten into fights with people on Facebook. Oops, I don't do it so much anymore. <laughs> I'm learning slowly. You know, I want to correct and say, well, this verse says that. And, blah, 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 blah. and I want to be more right to them they are so that I feel good about me that I have something to bring to the table. And yet the Holy Spirit has taught me, stop it. You can't convince anybody. Yeah, your post is so going to convince them completely. Yes, they'll totally change their opinion because of your cool post. That's really stupid. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can convince us. Don't even enter discussions with people on theological matters if you don't sense it's, there's a warmth and safety to talk. Don't bother. Why bother? Let the Holy Spirit open up the opportunities to chat. Humility. You recognize which tree you may have been eating from. That's what humility does. You realize you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to be right, and the other person is wrong. No. Allowing others to shine instead of you. That's hard especially for those who like limelight. This church is filled with a lot of people who like to see others um, do stuff, and they work in the background. And there's others who like the front end stuff. I do, <laughs> you know, but I'm realizing I need to give that away. It's not about me. It's about the whole family growing and learning together and equipping others. Not a means to become somebody. Wait a minute, somebody who I already am? When you know who you are, you don't have to be afraid. We release conditional relationships that were initially fostered to maneuver your life or position in life. Sometimes we have and cause relationships to happen so that we can have access to that person at a time of need. It's manipulative. It's very political. It's a political system. I just saw an article in the newspaper about a certain political individual who was groomed from when they were very young and have created those connections from when they were young so they can now maneuver and do their things today. Very interesting. It's all connected. And yet, that's not authentic relationships or 
Trust is built. Freedom to talk. Freedom to fail. Humility is seeing all people as loved, forgiven, and equal to you. We are not better than anyone else. We can see in the eyes of somebody else and see, hey, there's pain I've hurt before. Like that lady I gave the money to. Like I just, there was something that was very real. You know, I identified with her humanity. And that made it different. I didn't see her as a poor person that is separate from me, but rather this is a person that is human just like me going through struggles. That's a God thing. I couldn't come up with that at all. I know me. <laughs> Take a look at this. Let's forgive. Oops. One second. Colossians 2.12. You see, Old Covenant, New Covenant, he's begging God for forgiveness. I'm here to remind you and renew your mind, you are already. Having been buried with him in baptism, that's past tense, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all, 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 all of our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. It's while you were blind, dead in your mind, dead to God in your thinking, no concept. It was then he did this. He made you alive together with him and have forgiven you. It wasn't your nice little prayer that made it happen. You got to say the prayer because it already happened. And you acknowledge it. Now you walk into the experience of it. This is huge. I'm not making this up. You read it yourself. Go through many translations and compare. This is awesome. Next one. 2 Peter 1, 2-9. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Okay, stop there for a second. We're called to keep growing. You're not done. I'm not done. There's much more to learn and grow in. I don't care how old you are or how well schooled you are. If the knowledge of God's love for you hasn't made you a, into a better person, a more loving person, then you're not growing. Some of the crustiest, meanest people in the world are the ones who can speak out Hebrew and Greek and parse verbs and all that stuff, and they're anal retentive. They're in, gotta be, this, this, this has to be exactly right. There's no love there. It's about being right. Stop it. The love of God transform me. Keep growing. Here's the growing part. For it is by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You already have it, just like in that skit. He was told, I made you good. Now be good. You've all been created good. Start to be who you really are. And if you don't believe you are, you're going to act like who you think you are. And if it's not consistent with your true identity, you're going to have trouble. You're going to be really struggling 
in life. Here it goes, verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. You're clean. Don't get mad at a blind person for being blind, who can't see, who may have forgotten the goodness of God in their lives, who may have been swept into a cloud of darkness, of self-depreciation, depression, you name it. All kinds of stuff can happen. Don't get mad at them for saying, why can't you see this? That should not be a first thought in your minds. Instead, you recognize they're not seeing it, so how can we love them into light, into truth, and gently remind them? Don't you want people to be gentle when you need correcting? I do. I beg for gentle correction. I really do. Romans 5, 8 to 10. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that, oh, here it is again, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's while we were still sinners, Christ died. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much, 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 much more. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It's while we were enemies, we were reconciled. You have been reconciled. Now be reconciled. It's like I, I used Dan as an illustration a while back. You know, if Dan's pouting like a little kid, I can say, be a man. Does that mean he's not one? No, he is one. Be who you are. Be reconciled. Because you already are. He has restored everything that can make it possible for us to have a right relationship with him. That's a mini definition of reconciled. He's put it back. His justice has been put back, made right. Jesus dealt with sin. To what, Daniel 9.24, Old Covenant. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. Matthew 121, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. John 129, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of those who say the right prayer. Sin of the world. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.26, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. You've got to get this thing in your head. Because if you think sin is a problem, okay, if you think you're unforgiven, you cannot have an intimate relationship 
with God, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. Because there's going to be this block in front of you. And when you realize the block is your own made-up thing, and suddenly it disappears, I'm clean. Holy smokes, this is amazing. What took me so long to see this? That's how I felt 15 to 18 years ago. It's powerful. I'm still blown away by it. Number four, Nehemiah in his prayer, he says, please remember that you told your servant Moses, if you sin, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, even if you were exiled to the ends of the earth, I'll bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. We're your servants and the people you rescued by your great power and might. Is he trying to butter up God? Is he trying to say, hey, yo, do you remember? He's affirming something here. He's saying back to God what is already true, and it's for his benefit. He may not realize that way back then, but today he does. (laughs) This is huge. Be reminded that God will not abandon you. It's not about making promises to get to get, have God get you out of a mess. The prodigal son tried to do that. <laughs> it was pointless. God has dealt with your life, your sin, all of it. Now go on and enjoy him. How can we enjoy him? Believe what he says about you. Believe what he says. We're going to go through each one here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> These are 100 references to who you are in Christ. And how much, don't, Alan, you can't write them all down that quick. Sorry. <laughs> I can email this to you. Actually, it's on my blog, but that's from a couple years ago. 100 things. I have the list of 33. In fact, on the back table, just for you guys that are here, on the back table is a bookmark. You're free to take one. It's a 33 list. Okay, this is a hundred, but to be a, to have your mind affirmed what is actually true about you, what God says about you, whose opinion is more powerful, God's or yours? Is your standard higher than God's? Sometimes I think so, and that happens in the world of forgiveness. By the way, totally, we can believe God has forgiven us. That's nice, but then we have this thing where we cannot forgive ourselves. Regret, shame, and all those crippling emotions that hinder us from walking confidently and victoriously every day, every minute. This kind of stuff you can actually do by faith, trust in the Holy Spirit to make it Pop off the page, and that's the one you needed to hear today. 100. This is how we're renewed. Do you remember Mr. Ira Yates? It was during the Great Depression. He was about to lose his farm. The bank was going to foreclose. And he had some surveyors, some oil company surveyors come to him. They'd come to him several times, but this time it was foreclosure. It was, I think it was going to be the end of the month. And he gave them permission and signed the paperwork. Um, so if something was found, fine, blah, blah, blah. He, he was going to lose it all anyway. Turns out it's one of the largest oil finds in American history. That is the original tank 
was torn down in 2007. This is, I think, one of the pumps. One of the, you know, the ones that pump the oil up. <laughs> what happened to this man? When did he become a billionaire? Does anybody know? Some people argue he became a billionaire that day. It's not true. He was a billionaire the entire time and didn't know it. When he owned that property, it was at that moment, he was a wealthy man, but he was blind to it. In the same way, you and I are blind to our riches in Christ. The deep relationship with you have with him. I remember a couple years ago, I was at a conference teaching on prayer. And uh, I left my watch at home and I kept looking at the clock because we were really tight on time. And finally at the break, a guy comes up to me and he grimacingly looks at his watch and says, uh, God, God told me to give you my watch. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Nice and light. Pretty neat. Thanks, buddy. So I put it on and taught away and he came to a bunch of my sessions and then I went home. Well, a year later, battery died. I said, hey, it's not working. Come on, stupid thing. So I went down to the cheap place where you get them done and the people said, uh, we can't do this. You need to go to an actual jeweler for this kind of watch. I went, you stupid head. What are you talking? You don't know what you're doing. You know, do you know how you ju we're judgmental like that, right? Everybody else is dumb. Why can't you figure this out? So I went to the jeweler and uh, um, I said, uh, yeah, I started to tell him a story. The guy gave me this watch. And they went, his look, when I told him it was given to me, surprised me. Like, you just catch that millisecond? I said, why? Is it a good watch? Or what, do you, what is that? He said, oh, yeah, look, it's a Mavado. And then I read the back. He said, read the back. This is, it says uh, sapphire crystal and something carat gold. I think it was 14. What's 14 karat gold, ladies? That's gold, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's gold. It's good gold. And uh, he, I said, whoa, that's a nice watch. He goes, yes, it is. He said, well, what, what was that watch worth? He said, well, when it was new, at least 2500 bucks. $2,500 watch. And I'd been using it to build a shed, do gardening, all kinds of stuff. Just put it on. Who cares? It's the watch, right? And I don't care. Would you like a new band with that? Yes. <laughs> I don't wear it in the garden anymore. I don't wear it. I only wear it now when I teach and stuff and where it's kind of clean. Do you know why? Because I know it's value. And when you know your value, you're not going to go to those places that devalue you. I used to teach, change your behavior, even the parenting stuff I was taught younger, when I was younger. You have to train the behavior changes and then their minds will change. Uh-uh, it's the opposite way. You train the mind and the behaviors will naturally change. Parenting, that's a big one. <laughs> Keep telling your kids how good they are, who they are. Separate their behavior from their identity. You know, you are a good kid. What you just did, nah, you're going to clean that up and it's gonna, there's going to be a consequence to that. But you are a good one. Start being good or gooder. <laughs> but this is wild. You have wealth in you. You are rich 
in Christ. All the riches of Christ have been given to you. You lack nothing. Maybe understanding, but the Holy Spirit's the one who doles that out. Number five. You want to experience God? Respond to God's grace by taking the first step towards home. Not you initiating, that's him initiating. Remember the guy came to Nehemiah. So here is what's happened as a result. And after time of prayer and crying and wailing before God, God plants an idea into Nehemiah, go ask this king for favor. You see, what he did was he became part of the solution. He became willing to be used. It might have taken him a few days to become willing because he had a really good cushy job. Really good job. And then he prays, God, put it into his heart to be kind to me. Put it in his heart to be kind. All prodigals must decide to come home to their fathers. And it's all initiated by the Holy Spirit. Remember the prodigal sermon back in November? Probably not, because you do. Cool. (laughs) I realize both sons did not know their full love of the father. The father couldn't have cared less about his little repentance speech. That was, he, he cut him off. That's not what this is about. You need to know your love. And he hugged him and he partied with him and they, they killed the fatted calf and all that stuff. And the older son, the snooty one, the one who's supposed to be good, because that's what I grew up believing, the other son was the better one, because the one behaved badly, the other behaved goodly. Well, hang on. Both of them tried to get affirmation from their father based on their behavior. One tried to act really good and expected, hey, why, why didn't I get a pig? Why didn't, why didn't I get a calf? Why don't I get a party? The father said, all I have is yours. As in, don't you know who you are? You're my kid. Live from the riches. Both of them. And then to find out the word prodigal means lavish. Going berserk. So really, who's the prodigal? The father. The father lavished his love on both of his sons in the story. (laughs) Your father loves you. The Holy Spirit is actively at work in every single person here and listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Heck, you can't run from them. <laughs> there is no separation. <clears throat> Five faith responses that enable you to experience God's work in your life. Again, admit you cannot change yourself. Recognize the burden and the brokenness. Affirm that God alone is your source. Try worshiping. Acknowledge where you are in your life. Being humble. Affirm God's grace towards you. Affirm the boldness. Affirm your identity. And then respond by being willing to be used. God may use you to answer the need of the burden you are experiencing. I'll let the Holy Spirit make that real to each one of you. Because he's doing it to me in increments. That's pretty cool. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, could you please break through our stubborn heads? Melt the hardened, 
the concrete that's blocking our understanding. May each person here know how clean they have been made and how righteous they are so we can live from our true identity, from the life of Christ in us, not just from some knowledge list, but from really your life that we are one with. Teach us what that means. Thank you, Father. Amen. Next week, we're going to dig into um, some of the gates. Do you remember they, they built the walls of Jerusalem up? And uh, Carol, this is the one you've been waiting for. Um, but we're going to look at all the different gates that were around the city and what each one means. And it's really powerful, so that'll, that'll happen next week. All right.